Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's the Story podcast. This is WTS 295. My name is Danny Murray. I'm Graham Merrigan. How are you, Danny? All right. Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm all right. Like, uh, it's, it's a miserable evening. Miserable. It's windy. It's You'd swear it's like November out there. Yeah, and um, do you know what? I was only saying this today to a work colleague. I was looking in the office today. I don't mind the rain on a summer night for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think it's different than a winter night. Yeah, now I get you. I just uh, find I the winter I, rain in the evening depressing, but in the summer it's like it's because it's bright brightness versus dark. I think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but equally, definitely. I'm kind of like I won't get out for a walk now this evening. Do you know what I mean? I won't get out with the dogs now if it's raining. I just won't bother. Like, oh well, the dogs not run amok. Ah uh, no, no, and there's par- parvo virus. On it's running oh, rampant God. down here. It is no way. Um, yeah. How does that yeah. start? I don't know. To be honest, Graham, I don't know. But just we were we we had air lads in the vet getting their annual vaccinations and their boosters, and just there was a little notice up, and then we were actually th- there was a fellow who came into the waiting room uh, while we were waiting to go in, and bless him, he had a, a pup only ten weeks old, and had to be had to unfortunately be put to sleep because it yeah. it wasn't it didn't have its vaccinations and all that up because it was only 10 weeks like so they weren't fully in and uh it's little immune system and yeah it got parvo and yeah so oh, look i wouldn't be going anywhere then so that's it so look let's look at i don't even i, I don't even uh take sugsy off we don't even take sugsy off the lead because mm. he's obsessed with fuck shit yeah, no, we, we we can't take our lads off the lead either because they're just maniacs. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, just look after your, your your pets and your animals, lads. And Parvo can, if you have cats as well, Parvo can, it's a different strain of it, but it can affect them. It can't jump from feline to canine or canine to feline. But if it's if it's out and about and it's in the area, you know, don't be letting your dog sniff other dogs poo or go near other poo. Or if you've stepped in dog shy or wheeled in dog shy, don't bring it into the gaff where the dogs are because it can transfer that way. So well said. Well said. Look, look after your look after your animals, lads. And you um, reminded me it's Suggsy's time to get his yearly vaccine. So thanks for that. Um, Danny, who yes, are we man. talking to this week? We are talking friend of the show, Borough legend, footballing legend, the one, the only Stephanie Zambra. Hello, and joining us now for the hat trick of appearances uh, with a new name, uh, Stephanie Zambra. <laughs> I couldn't wait to Thank say God. that. I know, yeah. I feel like you've been going to say that, Meryl. <laughs> <I know, yeah. laughs> Thanks for Thank, having me on. Thanks, Neil, for joining us, Steph. Uh, it's appreciated. Oh, no, and, uh, it's well, just gone, but happy anniversary to you and Dean as well. Thanks very much. It's actually crazy to think how quick the year has gone. Like, honestly, even when we were talking about it coming up, it was like, how was that a year already? Like, it's, yeah. it's amazing how quick the time goes. That's it. Yeah, because, like, as we were talking about uh, a second ago, about COVID and, and deceiving our years and like even with weddings and people that are like a year anniversary or two year anniversary, it just seems like it was about six months ago. I know. Yeah. Honestly, like we were like, how is it? Like, honestly, we were looking back on it going like, what have we done in that time? Like, the only thing I could think that we done was go on our honeymoon. I'm like, what else has happened? Like, you're trying to remember all the things in between, but it's just been, it's been so quick. Like you're a year as well, are you? Just over a year. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't killed each other yet, which is nice. Where did you just go on the honeymoon, Steph? We went to Dubai for like four nights and then we went on to Koh Samui in Thailand. Oh, nice. deadly. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Nice. Yeah. It was yeah. lovely really now. The weather that. actually wasn't great. I remember snooping on their Insta stories. Was like, did you hear <laughs> that? I remember that as if he was part of it. Like, <laughs> I, was I was there. there. Koh <laughs> Samui, that's right. That's right. The Koh Samui Cup. That's when you said it there. I was like, why do I know that name? Do you remember that video? Yeah, the horsemen. things that were years ago, but feel like they were, do you know what I mean? All the lads. <laughs> that, was, there. that was the Black Rock College lads, horsemen. Was mm. it what that was? The, what it was exactly. Uh, a horse play, something like Horse play. Oh, horseplay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I do remember it. You got me now. Total horse play, yeah. Um, Steph, the last time we spoke to you, you were in Italy. Now you're playing with the greatest club on the island, uh, Shamrock Rovers. Um, I'm thrilled that you're playing with us. <laughs> How are you getting on? You you had you had a few injuries at the start, but you're overcoming them. Yeah, yeah. I I started quite well. I was delighted to kind of get in. Obviously, um, was doing dancing with the stars in the off season. Then I came back for preseason. Then it was all a bit hectic. Um, played the first two games, and unfortunately, I tore my hamstring. I had a little bit of a, a damage to the bottom of my, end of my hamstring. 
Um, and then I got back and it was just a little bit of a niggle again. So the, kind of, the physio was very cautious with it. But I'm fully back now. I started the game at the weekend and came on the week before. So I'm raring to go now and we're taking a break. So it's a bit of a, a nuisance. But um, nice. I'll be back flying hopefully for the second half of the season. No, well, they were kind of, if it had happened again, they might have looked at it. It's similar to, you might know, Neil Farouge's injury with the, yeah. it was on the t- function of the, um, right on the uh, tendon at the end of, my, at my, end of my hamstring, basically. So it was a little bit more awkward than the usual hamstring one. So it just kind of caused a little bit more kind of complications and stuff. And it was, it was weird because I was able to do so much training. I was able to run, obviously not kind of full speed or anything, but I was able to do a lot of work in between, which was was good in terms of being able to kind of feel part of the team and do a bit of training and that, but wasn't able to actually play the matches and that, which was obviously the most important thing. Like, but I was able to kind of keep myself taken over and yeah, thankfully now I haven't felt any more reoccurrence. So hopefully it's it's all good to go. It's great that you're you're back playing your trade in Ireland because obviously you were, you were abroad for a few years in France and Italy and all that kind of thing. Um, But like, how do you feel about disappointing all the kids in the border seeing as though you're now playing for Rovers and you didn't sign for a proper couple of goals? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, cult the like kids Frank in Nerdigan. the border. You want to hear the, the reaction I got from the family? That was the hardest part, Ross. And <laughs> Gary, barely forgive me. I nearly wasn't left back into the house. <laughs> They're obviously big Shells fans. So, uh, yeah, that didn't go down too well. And then when I told them I was putting Zamra on the back of the jersey, that was even worse. So, <laughs> he was about back talking to me. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Your, your family now, so they kind of have to forgive you. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, it's actually, we were, joking, we were joking the other day about somebody going to play for Rangers. And he goes, yeah, it's almost as bad as someone going playing for Rovers, isn't it? And oh I was like, he's letting it go. <laughs> and I was oh, like, I thought he was over it. Like, <laughs> We've always said the Zambras are a great footballing family in the borough. And <laughs> there you go. Look, more proof. That, that was Gary that said that? Yeah, yeah. We were joking. He was joking, but he still got the big game with me, but... The absolute chance. Uh, the last week the World Cup squad was announced for Australia and New Zealand. Uh, hang, on, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. We've lost sorry. the talk. We'll get Come you. On. You weren't saying nothing. Sorry. Damn, <laughs> Graham. Jesus. There's that's, more before that, is there? If if that's all right, Steph. I've loads of answers. Yeah, of course. Loads Jesus. Uh, Graham, you see, is very eager and very excited, and he just he gets giddy and he forgets that like this is a chat, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Dan. It's all right, Graham. I'll forgive Garland, you. I can show me. Um, <laughs> the, the the women's national league seems like it's got. I, I feel as though it's gone up a notch or two over the last couple of years in terms of the publicity around it, the eyes that are on it, the, the even even the TV coverage and all that kind of thing. Did that play a part in you coming back, or was it just a case you were like, no, I'm coming home, and this is you know. Um. I'd say it kind of did, to be fair, because I had chances to go elsewhere. Obviously, I came back from Italy when COVID, the outbreak, everything happened over there and stuff. So it kind of, yeah. I was I was ready to come home, to be honest, at the end of that season. I was thinking I'll come home and try and, obviously, myself and Dean got married last year. We're looking to try and get a house and stuff like that. So kind of, you know, the adult things that we have to do in life are kind of starting to come on, on top of us a little bit. So I kind of was thinking about coming home. We had our own coaching company up and running and, I really wanted to put a bit more work into that and stuff and really try to get ourselves kind of some foundations for after football, you know, that way. But um, definitely, I think the fact, like, obviously, when I played in the league, there was always very good players. But as you mentioned, and I said this a few times in the last few weeks, like, I remember there was only one paper who'd done um, the results and done, like, a little bit of a preview on a Monday. I think again, tempted to turn off the Wi-Fi, but it'd probably be worse than Meadow's Wi-Fi, he robs the neighbor's Wi-Fi, so his is all <laughs> maybe we're better off robbing the neighbor's Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. Is it back now? Am I back? I think yeah. as soon as I start talking again, I'll go again. Yeah, so like obviously the league has got more kind of coverage and stuff like that. I think with the likes of SSC Electricity coming on board, it's kind of the men's and the women's league is all kind of under the same umbrella now. Like there's there's obviously so much more eyes on the game, and I think the fact women's football in Ireland has been taken a little bit more seriously you can see everything is improving across the board it's not just kind of the coverage the, the players almost have like a before and no one really cared about you playing matches and he didn't know what the standard was going to be or was going to be like that there's a little bit more of an expectancy and a pressure on the players and I think it's the league definitely has improved 
Um, but I think it was kind of like a mix of me kind of knowing that I had to kind of sort my life out at home as well as as wanting to keep on playing. Um, so it was it was good to be able to come back into obviously a semi professional um position with Rovers now as well. But um, to come back into a league where the football was going to be competitive and because I I think I don't think I'm ever going to lose the competitive edge. I always want to be competing and playing. But um, the league has definitely improved a little bit more here. So it made, I suppose, the decision a little bit easier to come home and, and focus on getting everything else in place while still playing football. You mentioned, there, you, you mentioned there about the, the fact that, like, those improvements. And I think one of the last times we were talking to you, you know, and, and the, the story's been out there and all that, about, like, the the women's teams basically having to change in airport toilets and all that kind of thing, you know, the, the national team. Like, so when you're seeing those improvements, like, and obviously there's still more to be done. There's, there's there's a lot we can do with the women's game in Ireland. But how much of those improvements do you think is down to the fact that the public now seem to be getting more and more behind women's football? Yeah, there's, like, I think the whole 20 by 20 campaign for me was one of the big things as well. I think they kind of put pressure on, like, media outlets to publicise women's sports a little bit more and, Obviously, everywhere you look now, you see a lot of female athletes being kind of put out there and people know who they are. For me, when I went to schools, coaching and stuff, a lot of the kids would never have known any female footballers. You know, it would have been just the men's teams they would have known of. Whereas now, the guys are seeing kind of the Ireland women's team playing, whether it be the Irish football team, the rugby team, wherever it might be. So they're more familiar with kind of the players that are playing, which is huge help, you know, that way. And I think, obviously, the public have got behind, particularly the football team with them going to the World Cup now. Um, and it's just it's become more and more popular. And I think 2017 was a big part of that as well, because it kind of made people aware of what that we weren't getting, which was stuff that people just presumed we were, you know, that way. And now I think that kind of started a real relationship with people with the team. And since then, obviously, the team have gone on to improve so much with those little bits of help and obviously qualify for our first major tournament. So I think a few people have been on that journey with the team since then and then obviously with the team being on TV more and more. Um, like the likes of Sky coming on board, there's billboards around the country with the faces of the players on it. As I mentioned already, Airtricity, um, SSE Airtricity, I was actually up in Dundrum Shopping Centre the other day and they had a big billboard up. So it just makes people more aware of who the people are and who the players are and gives them that kind of suppose personal connection to to the players so it's it's brilliant to see that so many people are interested and as i said more and more people are starting to cover it and, and put the players out there but it's testament as well because the the irish men's national team don't have a sponsor and the women's team have a sponsor in sky and sky has been doing absolutely brilliant work like um even the the sky ad for the the world cup it like have you goosebumps like you know, yeah, so yeah, it's I, I think I think you're right there about the 2020 campaign, and and then when uh, COVID hit, and the League of Ireland was like subscription based on a stream, and then the Women's League hopped on back on that, and it, it gave people more access. Like that that first season, I think it might have been eighty quid, and you you got access to a lot of the matches, and uh, oh sorry, this season you get all the matches, and for one hundred and twenty quid for all. First division matches, Premier Division matches, and women's uh, national league—it's it's a no-brainer, like. Yeah, yeah, and I think it gives, as you said, like people who maybe wouldn't have watched women's football before, if they have that subscription, they might kind of throw women's match and they could get interested in it as well, you know. Whereas before, as I said, women's football was probably an afterthought, and no one really thought to include it in things. So now to have that kind of act, yeah. I think if they get to watch it like on those streams, they might actually want to come to a live game as well, you know. And that's kind of good to see. The crowds have improved here at all the women's national league games, and um, so it's just yeah, it's just it's great to see it going that direction. But well, that what's that saying? If they build, if they build it, they'll come. Like um, yeah, yeah, even, no, definitely is it like definitely. Even the women's super league in England, like that's on BT now. I'd, I'd if if I'd watch that more so if the Irish uh, players are involved. Um, yeah, but like it's more accessible and. Um, there's still you do see you still see gobshites on Twitter given the standard a bit of stick. How how do you handle that? Or how do you, yeah, do you, I, you don't care, I, do you? Not at this stage, like I think obviously I've seen so much over the years, like and the thing you see have to kind of understand from our perspective is that a lot of the people that have these opinions, they don't watch enough of it to be able to have a proper opinion. So you kind of just have to brush it off. Um I think like women's football, it's it's 
it's obviously behind the men's game because it started later, you know, it still has a lot of work to do. But I think people seem to think that if they watch a men's game, they watch a women's game, it has to be exactly the same in terms of the pace of the game and, and everything else. But I think like women's football is different in a sense, you know, that way, obviously, in this, like women are physically not going to be as quick and as powerful as men, but I think the technical side of the game for me is very similar. I think there's a lot of good football and players in the in the league. I think the game is definitely starting to get a little bit more kind of physical. A lot of the girls are in great kind of condition, very well conditioned. Like if you look at Katie McCabe, like she's an absolute beast. You know that way she's obviously mm-hmm. getting all the help she needs at Arsenal and the quads leagues themselves her. now. Sorry, the quads on her. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so like these are these, these are people who like are obviously getting the right kind of training now. But as I said it hasn't been always been that way you know that way so it's going to take time for the women's game to actually get to the level where as i said the the girls are as conditioned and as as fast paced as the men's as the men's games but i definitely think there is a market out there i think people who have watched the women's games continuously like obviously love going watching them now so it's just you're always going to get that and the odd few people who who will always want to have kind of a smart comment to make, you know, that way. And I think, the, the, I suppose the encouraging thing for me is that it's less and less now. And I think when you do see people saying you get people all picking up and saying you clearly don't watch the game enough, they think that as well. So that's obviously a positive. But as I said, Twitter's kind of a bit of a, it's not a very negative place at times anyway. So I think if you were to take notice of all of that, Jesus, yeah. you may give up. Like Absolutely. And, and like, uh, I don't mind saying anytime I've seen a Twitter account criticize the standard of our game, our women's game, uh, it generally is a man. And if you go through the profile, they have a daughter and you're kind of going like, you know, know, that that person should be on a watch list. Like they have a daughter and they're criticizing women's sport. It's like your daughter might want to be, Play football. You might want to yeah. get into a women's sport. Like get a grip the, yourself. The, the other one that you see as well, actually, and it's one that I I always just I, I cringe because it's like they don't realize it is the bloke who is he, he's championing it, but he's championing it, saying the whole thing that's like you know, oh, until I had a daughter, I never realized. Or, <laughs> and it's almost like what the f- come on, man. You know yeah. what I mean? But like. Yeah. Some of that stuff as well, and uh, we the friend of the show, Philip O'Connor, who is uh, he he's been champion in women's football for a long, long time yeah. as well. Like, and I've seen him kind of reply to people again. I know Twitter's a cesspit, and you should never use it as the kind of the pool or whatever to get your info from. But like, yeah. it it's still important to call people out when they're spouting that nonsense and kind of say, "Well, when was the last time we actually sat down and watched a full game?" And even at that, like, yeah. have you watched more than one game because. As you said, Seb, like fair enough from a physicality point of view, it's not going to be the same. But you know, it it doesn't have to be the same. The technicality yeah. of it, the skill involved, like th- there's so many elements of the game that are great to see. And hopefully now, you know, what what two three weeks away from the World Cup as we're recording this, like this this World Cup's going to bring so many Irish eyes to what is the biggest stage of women's football. And I remember watching the last one; it always. It always fascinated me how much attention the World Cup got everywhere else kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. particularly particularly in America, the US women's team obviously are, you know, they're the, the superstars kind of thing. But like, this should really be a game changer for perceptions in Ireland. Yeah, definitely. And I think even if you just look back to the to the Euros previously there, not, not too long ago, England obviously won it. But like, see the crowds come to the games and, like even I know after England won the Euros, there was money put into schools in, in England in terms of the, the young girls being able to have the same access to sports as boys. And I think more parents then started to relate, you know, because I think sometimes there can be parents who think, oh, maybe football is not for girls, you know, that way. And some people do think that way for some reason. Yeah, so I think like without some people might not have seen women's football too much before, but I think if they have young kids or young daughters, they might be more, I suppose, encouraged to put them into women's football or into girls' football teams to try and see because they can see that there actually is a pathway and there's an opportunity to play at a high level and, and to be kind of supposed treated similar to the way the men will be treated so I think obviously Ireland now because I think one of the main things I was, I was saying in RTE when we were doing the Euros was that isn't it a pity Ireland aren't here because it would have been a great tournament for us obviously only across the road in England you know that way people would have yeah. definitely went over and, and watched the games and, and now as I say they're in Australia now they're playing at the biggest stage playing against the hosts in, in Australia as well. So I think it's going to be a great a great occasion and hopefully, as I say, it will uh, help grow the game here a little bit more in Ireland. When we're talking about the standard there, I have to say, one of 
my favourite matches I watched on television the last few months was a nil-all draw between Shells and Rovers in Tolka Park. I mean, that was a deadly match. The pitch was a bit shit. Oh. I mean, I don't know how it was nil-all. It was just up and down. It was excellent. Air game against them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a close, And that was a weird one as well because a lot of the girls were obviously going back to play against our old team, a couple of the yeah. young players. Um, obviously, haven't haven't left Shells. There was a little bit of... Why? Yeah, yeah, there was a little, obviously there was a lot of them weren't happy they left and stuff like that. So, and some of the young players were a little bit nervous going back, but I thought we played really well. Um, and considering obviously Shell's champions as well, um, it was a, a tight, tight game. And it was actually a very good game, I have to say. Great match. There was a bit of bite to it because uh, Shelburne manager Noel King was asked after it, you know, it was a close game and he was fairly kind of cheeky in his responses saying, of course it was, they have half our players. <laughs> I wouldn't be like Noel to come out with something like that. Would no, it? <laughs> absolutely no. Um, a, lot, a lot of time for Noel to be fair, but no. But I was yeah, kind of going, hold on a minute here, Noel. Shelburne took over Rahini United a couple of years ago, so relax. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The um the year uh last year, the Irish examiner John Fallon, the Irish examiner, reported that um there was a failed amalgamation between P Mount and Shamrock Rovers, um. Is, he, he, like you were with him at the time so was that on the radar or you know wh why wouldn't something like that have happened considering you know I know Piemont are a historical great side and stuff but in terms of the ground and in, in, in uh, Green, Green Hills isn't it? Green Oak Green Oak sorry yeah. in terms of the vicinity yeah, yeah. wise you know for spectator wise would that would that on the outside looking in my uneducated guess I thought that would have been a great idea yeah, there was a lot of talk about that, obviously, last season um, and the season before. There was talk of a few teams um, getting involved with the kind of league. Of the You're gone again. Um, we had... I can see because you're freezing here as well on me, so I knew I was gone. <laughs> is it wood? I know it's going to... Is it well, better if I turn it off... Will we knock the cameras off because that was less, uh, less bandwidth or whatever? Does that help? Oh, will I do that then? Yeah, here. I'd say if we all do it, then it should be... It should, hopefully it'll help because it just uses less. Yeah. All right. Can you hear me now? Yep. yep. Oh my God. Will I, will I start that whole thing again? Yeah, from the yeah. top. <laughs> yeah, yeah Grant. Um, yeah, so over the last kind of... My last two seasons with Pima... Um, was a like you could hear whispers in the background that maybe they could be amalgamating with a, a League of Ireland team and obviously Rovers would have been the closest team to us. So it was it was definitely rumoured. Um, I don't really know the ins and outs of it because I think most of us probably thought it would be a great idea to be able to go in with Rovers. Um, obviously, P-Mount have built a huge name in women's football. They've been brilliant in terms of, I suppose they really have champions what women's football should be. They've put their women's teams first throughout the years and, and really looked after the women's squads. But for whatever reason, it didn't happen in the end, you know, and look, I don't know what's going to happen with P-Mount now over the next few years. Will they kind of go with someone else or not? But yeah, definitely it, it was rumoured that it could happen. Um, and as I said, I'm not really sure why it didn't or what were the, the ins and outs of it all. But I think it, it was a shame that it couldn't happen because I think they're two really good clubs and we could have obviously gone forward together. But again, I think p-mount have done so much work to to build their own name so i can kind of understand why maybe they wouldn't want to have, have lost their name in, in women's football in ireland um, and again i just yeah. i don't really know what the reasons were for it you know that way but i did definitely hear that there was a, a chance of it happening and it just obviously didn't happen in the end um yeah fair enough <laughs> um yeah. the world cup <laughs> the world cup squad there was um i have to say because i've I've watched I watched most of the qualifiers ahead of the Euros when we failed to qualify and most of the qualifiers and friendlies ahead of the World Cup. And I was very fairly surprised uh um Jamie Finn's omission. Um other other than that, obviously there's injuries to Megan Campbell and Aoife Mannion, but was there was was it as you expected the squad announcement? Um, yeah, I think Jamie was definitely a big one for me because Jamie obviously had been part of the squad. I think the only game she missed was the Georgia game and that was because she was on a yellow card as far as I remember and she didn't want to risk her getting uh, a second one mm. and missing games. Um, but yeah, she was probably the biggest one for me that I kind of thought, geez, I didn't expect that. 
Um, obviously, I kind of wasn't sure if Ethan Mannion was going to make it back, and Megan Campbell obviously just getting back to fitness. Um, another one I think was Leanne Kiernan. Um, uh, I don't definitely. think Leanne kind of hasn't really been. Obviously, she's only back from injury, but she hadn't really been in favour with Fira anyway. So I'm not saying it was a, a shock to me that she wasn't picked because she hasn't really featured in a lot of our games and stuff. But for me, like Leanne is a top player. Like I just thought she probably would go to be a, a different option, you know, off the bench yeah. even. Um, so she was probably the other one that I thought might have got a, a look in. But um, yeah, I think other than Jamie, really, it probably would have been similar to what I would have picked myself, if I'm honest. And, you know, um, the, the, the omission, obviously, of Jamie and, and Leanne, because I, I, I had heard upon this um, saying last week, um, they reckoned, I can't remember who it was. I'm not going to shout out a name because I just can't remember who it was. I think it might have been on second captains, but they were basically saying... The squad omissions, although they were surprised, it could be with with the fixtures in mind and the tactics in mind that those specific players don't suit the opposition like Australia, like Canada, like Nigeria. I don't know, like what what, what did you make of that? Yeah, no, see for me, like I think Jamie, Jamie's quite versatile. I remember we were on RT for the Zambia game. We went over a few of these, like like in terms of will certain players be kept because they are versatile and they can play in a few different positions and cover different positions. And for me, Jamie, like Jamie could probably play either wing back. She can play centre midfield. Like, I suppose at a push, she could probably play right at a three um, in a back three as well. So like for me, Jamie still is a shock if you're using that kind of, if you're looking at it from that point of view, I think she still is a player who could do a bit of everything. Now, obviously, look at, I didn't envy Vera having to pick the squad because yeah. it was a difficult one to pick, you know, and, and no one obviously wants to miss out. It's been something that we've been pushing for for so many years. So for anyone to get to that to that stage and, and then lose out, like it's it's not easy to have to do. Um, but yeah, I would say, as I said, I kind of wouldn't look at it from that point of view because I think Jamie could have fit in and, and would have fit kind of tactically in most of the games. Like I think it's quite, we're probably going to sit back and defend against the likes of Australia and Canada in the group. We probably have a go at Nigeria. Now, I think when you look back to the USA game, I don't know if you've watched that, like they actually did have a bit of a go, which is great to see. Yeah. Um, so I'd say it will be kind of similar set up to the way we played against uh, the USA in terms of sitting in and then waiting for our, our moments to go. So I don't see why Jamie wouldn't have fit into that, you know, but um, obviously other players that she has picked, she feels will be able to do what's, what she's needing them to do in the World Cup, but uh, and it's yeah, funny said, where... it wasn't easy to don't don't envy her having to pick the squad, but um, it's funny you say that, isn't it? Me. Though because uh, it, that is, I think that's testament in how the, the the strength of depth that's in the pool of players, like including like including the home the 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 home base players, because you've been involved in a, a lot of the home base training camps, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I was before I got the injury. I would have been in uh, Abbottstown pretty much. Every week, really. That's even a brilliant. That's even a brilliant kind of to include the home base players is excellent, isn't it? Yeah, it's for me. It's just as long as they're getting an opportunity to play. You know that way. There's no point in having home base sessions every week and not really looking at any of the players. You know that way. I think Mm -hmm. I've gone to home base sessions for the last probably four, three or three years since Vera came in, and then before that, Colin was obviously in charge and he'd done them too. Um. And I've seen so many players not go, you know, they've kind of been like, oh, I'm not going, what's the point type of thing, you know, that way. And like, obviously that's a bad attitude to have from their point of view. But I think there needs to be a pathway in terms of if you do go to home base every week, are you actually being looked at, you know, that way. So I think mm-hmm. um, a few players, as I mentioned, have have just stopped going to them. Obviously the likes of Abby and Anya are getting picked and that's brilliant to see. Um, I think Tara and Aaron, who obviously were in the Zambia squads, um. Tara obviously doing a leaving search was in the stands for that game, but they're two smashing players in the league too. So you'd like to imagine they have a bit of a future ahead of them. But as I said, if you're doing home base sessions, it's great because the tempo in the sessions is really good. Obviously, it's the best, best of the best around Ireland. But I think there has to be a bit of a pathway for the players to get through as well. So hopefully, we'll see more and more kind of home base players included and actually getting minutes in the games. There's a there's a couple of sort of free agents within the squad as well now, isn't there? Like so. How like how important will the tournament be for them, or do you do you think it's more just a case of that that's it, it'll get sorted out for them, but just in time kind of thing? Yeah, I was only actually thinking about that yesterday. I seen Claire O'Riordan put a post up that she she's finished with Celtic. I didn't. I thought she was still going to be there. So it's a uh, it's interesting because there's quite a few as you mentioned kind of going into the World Cup without squat without a team. Yeah. Um, I I would imagine certain players like I think the likes of Megan 
Connolly and stuff. I think she'll probably have something organised. I think she won't be short on kind of suitors because she's done really well in WSL. Um, and there'll be players probably who who have their options, kind of a few things going for them. But definitely, like, there might be a few players who are looking to go over to, to Australia now and impress and try and, like, you see it so many times in the men's game, you know, where players have a good tournament and it's the start of a great kind of career with, with big teams for them. So I, I definitely think a lot of the players going over will be looking to, um, as I say, do well and put themselves in the shop window, as you say. That's it. It's um, just going back to the selection itself, Dan, like, it, it's, it's an experienced squad. Like I, I think it's it's one and you know that that's great, but it's just it's could there have been any sort of other risks? I think like it's um your Shamrock Rovers colleague, uh, I can't remember her name now. She's I think she's only like Abby eighteen. Or, uh, yeah, Abby she's only like eighteen or nineteen, isn't she? Yeah, um, yeah, but like I think Abby kind of Abby's been in every squad, so it kind of like it was funny we were having that chat on live on air the other day, and, and we were kind of mm. questioning whether she'd be going. And I had no, I was like, nah, she'll definitely be going. And it was just because, and obviously we're talking about Jamie Finn being involved in every squad, but Abby has yeah. been in every squad, and I think like Abby has something special. You know, she's one of those players that, like, I think you know she's going to be a big player for Ireland in the future. So I think it's important to kind of keep her involved. You know, I think she's. For me, a player that I think could come on in the tournament and do something, you know, she could be someone that might change something or give them a different kind of uh, outlet, I suppose, in terms of like she's a pacey, powerful player. Obviously, still very young, still a lot to learn, but I think, like, I think she's a very, a very good player and, and deserves to be there. So, hopefully, as I said, from a rover's point of view, I hope she gets a bit of game time. Mm. But uh, even if she doesn't, I think it's going to be a great learning curve for her to be able to go to a World Cup with the squad. Like, who who is your your if you can narrow it down to just the one? But who who is your one to watch in this tournament, Steph? Um, in terms of like ones that we're, we haven't seen before, kind of, or like that haven't really shone. Like, it's, it, it's already in in the Ireland squad. Who's the who's the player? Do you think that's kind of like this? This is the one to watch. Um, like obviously, we I think Katie and Denise are a huge part of our squad. I think they're the two that make the team tick you know they're the, mm. the ones the difference makers I think they can make something happen out of nothing you know that way Um, obviously I think with the way we play Louise Quinn is a huge part of the squad because she's obviously defensively quite solid but she's also very very good for, for set pieces going forward Sinead um, Farrelly I, I only seen bits of her in the first USA game and obviously she's got into the squad based off that one game and that one camp so I'm actually looking forward to seeing how good she is, you know, that way I think I've 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 heard a few people talk about her and talk about the talent that she does have. So for me, she's probably the one that I kinda can't wait to see play and kind of see really what she's about. Um, but didn't Denise O'Sullivan say that um Sinead Farley uh, the first camp that she showed up she was by far the best player. So Yeah, yeah were, well like were, that's were people that's... shocked by her inclusion. I, I don't know if they were shocked by as I've said certain like obviously there's a lot of people kind of giving out about fresh players coming in with the new Irish passport as soon as we qualify for a World Cup, you know, yeah. and that's obviously going to be said. But for me, like, from Vera's point of view, it's a no-brainer if a player comes in and has something different that we don't have and is showing something special, you're bringing them. Do you know that way? It's You can't have that kind of... It's it's elite-level football. If there's someone going to be feeling upset or left out or feeling bad about not going because someone else is being picked, but that's something you have to deal with in elite-level football, you know. But for me... Whenever I'm asked that question, I kind of say, like, for me, Eva Mannion is playing for Manchester United. She's performing when she's playing. She's a very, very good defender. So I would have brought her if she was fit, even though she just has a new Irish passport. And the same thing with Shania Farley. I think she's come in and, and performed well. Obviously, it's only one camp. We've only seen her play in one game. So I don't know. I don't know enough about her now to kind of say, oh, she's obviously brilliant. I've just seen bits of her. And from what I've heard from the girls... She's technically very good. She fits into the way Vera wants to play. So I'm excited to see her playing. As I said, from Vera's point of view, I think she has to bring the players that she feels is going to get them out of the group and put them in the best position to go forward. So I think she obviously feels that that she had enough and she's seen enough in Sinead Farley to bring her. So you kind of have to respect that decision. It is it is a tough group. So when you say kind of the best chance of getting out of the group, what, what do you think are, are the chances and the hopes for the girls? I think look, we're we're a hard team to beat. You know, we're not ever going to be a team that are going to roll over and die. You know that way. So I hope I don't jinx them now. You know, have in the first game. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But like, I think I think we're going to be solid defensively. You know, I think we're set up in the right way. And as I mentioned before, there's a few players in the team that have that 
that moment of magic in them. So for me, like the game against Australia is going to be huge. Um, I think one of the biggest things for me is how the girls handle the occasion. Like it's 80,000 seater stadium. It's sold out. A total different atmosphere to anything that any of them would have felt before. Maybe apart from the likes of Denise and Katie who would have played in big crowds um, for Arsenal in the Emirates and Denise obviously in the US would have played in big games too. Like a few of the girls would have played in big stadiums and stuff, but like 80,000 seater stadium in a World Cup opening game like it's a huge occasion, you know, that way. So I think a big part of getting out of the group is going to be how they kind of handle that moment. Um, I think if they do well in that game and hopefully scrape a draw or maybe get a win, or even if they lose narrowly, I think that will give them a good boost of confidence to go into the next two games and really try to get something out of them because Canada are going to be brilliant as well. They're a very good team. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if they get a draw and a win, that could put them in a good position depending on how Australia and Canada get off in their head-to-head, obviously. But um, look, hopefully they can go and get... Obviously, I think Vera's the type of manager who's kind of want to go and win, you know, that way. But you obviously have to be realistic as well. But I think the aim will probably be to get out of the group um, in second place and, and kind of put themselves in a good position. I think if they get out in second and England win their group, I think they play them in around 16 as well. So oh, that'll be a tasty one. And that's a derby. And you, derby's are a coin flip. So, yeah, <laughs> and it, you're you're working at the World Cup finals, Steph. Yeah, I'm heading over with RTE. Yeah, uh, pundit or commentator? Uh, I'm doing comms. Yeah, commentator. Love it because yeah. I tell you what, when I was watching the playoff in Scotland, and when Amber Barrett scored, and all you hear <laughs> Stephanie Zambra letting a little, <laughs> a little half cry, half jubilant scream. <laughs> it was absolutely wonderful. Wow. Oh, stop. I can't help myself. Like, I let I do it. I'm like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. And then for the last 10 minutes of the match, like, I just couldn't talk. I was just watching, like, because it was obviously so nerve wracking. And then George was saying stuff, and I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm doing commentary here. I need to talk back to him. <laughs> <laughs> so like a fan. Like, I, was, I was there watching, like, just hoping to get over the line, you know, that way. And then it was just like, oh, it was unbelievable when the final whistle went. And I was delighted for Amber as well because she's had to wait and buy their time to get her chances to play too, you know. So yeah. for her to score the goal and obviously everything that had happened around the build-up to the match, yeah, uh, it was just a brilliant uh, a brilliant moment for her and obviously for the squad to qualify, it was brilliant. So yeah, it is. it can be difficult at times, obviously, because I know the girls all so well and mm. I know exactly how much it means to them. So when they do score, I almost feel that kind of... They you know I'm... Like I'm playing nearly with them, you know that way. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it can be hard, but now I'm loving being involved, and obviously it's a uh, it's the next best thing to being able to play and to be able to be there and kind of work on the games and watch them up close and personal. Absolutely, like you're you're going to be commentating for Ireland against Australia in a eighty one thousand seater stadium in Sydney. Like what the fuck? Like I know it's mental, isn't it? <laughs> it's just no. mental. It's mental. Yeah, it's... Like you said. Obviously, you'd love to be there as a player, but it's a hundred percent. It's the next best thing, like going over, working. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're working with George Hamilton, are you, or do you know yet? Yeah, I think so. It, it has. It's weird because I haven't obviously had everything confirmed yet. But um, yeah. myself and George, it's it's gas. Like the first time I met George, like we had a conversation. I'm just sitting there looking at him, listening to all his stories. Like it's yeah. amazing the amount of stuff he's done in his career. Like he's unbelievable. Like and honestly, I just have so much respect for him. So to be able to be sitting beside him. And working with him is just unbelievable, you know, that way. So it's still kind of, it is kind of that pinch yourself moment to think that you're actually talking on a match with probably one of the best voices of Irish sports, <laughs> yeah, you know, that yeah, way. So yeah, like, yeah most really, iconic voices. Yeah, yeah. So it is it is mental to be to be thinking that, like, but yeah, hopefully now I'll be doing um, a couple of games with George throughout the World Cup and it'll be hopefully a, a memorable one because we want Ireland to do well. Obviously, it's been great to get there, I think, it's a success to even get there, but obviously to get over there now and do well would be even better. Can we? The games can we, are on quite accessible. Like they're on eleven. Like Australia against Ireland is July twentieth at eleven o'clock Irish time. Canada Ireland is on twenty sixth of July one o'clock Irish time, and Ireland Nigeria is the thirty first of July at eleven o'clock Irish time. Yeah. So like it's. Like it's it's a uh, Thursday, Wednesday, Monday at those times. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Like. We've got lucky enough as well with the kickoffs as well. I think a few of the games are kicking off like at eight AM and stuff, aren't they? So like obviously yeah. it's not that early, but like I think they're kind of decent times to be um Well but it allows it allows all the junior girls clubs to, to hold an event maybe in the summer. Yeah. Get all exactly. And you might even get a few offices wanting to watch the matches and that yeah. and hopefully a few companies getting behind it and that. So I hope you should build a bit of an atmosphere to 
absolutely get everyone behind the team it'll be they'll it'll definitely be on the screens in in our office anyway um but it's it's one of them where I, I think these kind of things any kind of tournament type vibe in Ireland people get behind it very quickly yeah. and it's it's great then because especially if you get a good result the, the the atmosphere and the party atmosphere and then people want to actively see it and if they go in somewhere and it's not on it's almost like they're they're shocked and appalled so then that forces that place then to go all right we'll stick it on relax we'll stick you know and yeah yeah it just brings more eyes but it's great like so yeah, I, I know I'll be scheduling me me breaks anyway around the eleven AMs, uh, because like that it's you know, fingers crossed we don't have to wait that long, but we waited long enough to get to a World Cup. So uh, no no way we're missing it. Like Yeah, no, definitely. No, it's it's great and it's and in fairness, most people I've talked to, even kind of those people who are involved in football and maybe don't know a lot about the women's game, like they're all talking about it, you know, so they know what's coming up and I think a lot of people are gonna be watching it and and obviously, as you say, a tournament's football is the best chance to get behind the team, you know. I think Irish people are obviously very passionate about supporting their country. So, yeah, hopefully, as I said, the girls can go now and, and put on a performance and do well and we'll have the whole country yeah. watching us and cheering us on. It'd be brilliant. Like, even if it is on the other side of the world and all that, I mean, the amount of Irish people in Australia, it, yeah. <laughs> at times it's probably going to feel like a little bit of a home tournament because, like, I've no doubt about it, the Irish over there will 100% embrace this team and try to make it feel as much like home as possible, you know? Yeah, definitely. I've, I can't explain to you how many people have messaged me from Australia asking if I got tickets. <laughs> I'm like, I don't. I'm sorry, I can't get them. Like, we actually struggle because Dean's coming over now and he's obviously looking to get tickets to the game. And we just about got them. I think the Nigeria game was the only one that we didn't have too much trouble getting tickets for. So it's great to see that. And it's actually funny because one of the girls was telling me, I think there's a a documentary with the Australian team um, oh, on heard Amazon about it. or Disney Plus on one of them. And apparently the manager said, like, at least we know and all the games we're going to have the most support and we're just laughing kind of going well they're playing against Ireland in the first game Sydney like there's a lot of Irish people over there so it'll be interesting yeah, to see that, that stadium will be more green than it will yellow anyway that's for I definitely. think so too definitely, definitely. The, the, the Aussies are very critical of their they have a, so much expectation on their national side that if something goes wrong in that match they could have actually torn on their players or, or not even get behind them the the, the weight of expectation on, on Samantha Kerr's shoulders is huge isn't it yeah, yeah, and there has been times in the past where there's obviously been things haven't gone well, and they've, there's been a lot of fallout and stuff like that. So there is an expectancy, and it's it's similar to what I was saying earlier in terms of how Ireland handled the occasion and how kind of that first game goes. And it's the same for Australia. You know, if they if Ireland get at them or if there's a mistake in the first few minutes, that's a chance for Ireland to really kind of pull the pressure on because all the expectancy is on them. You know, they're expected to go and beat Ireland. There's not really anyone thinking Ireland have a chance to go and beat Australia in their own turf kind of in the first game of the, the World Cup you know so I think mm-hmm. all the pressure is on them and I think Ireland should be able to go into the game kind of without that pressure and just try and feed off it if the if the crowd are getting kind of on the backs of the Australian players you know that way so hopefully as I said it goes in Ireland's favour and, and they're able to kind of capitalise on it because like definitely I've seen um, Sam Kerr have a little bit of stick in the past whenever there was maybe a, a game where she hasn't performed to the level that we're used to seeing her or whatever like she's always the one that's criticised and the team are expected to go I think the country kind of see them as, as one of the favourites to go and, and win it you know um, obviously there's a lot of good teams in the tournament but there will be pressure on them to do well within the within the group games anyway It it seems like the, the US and England are, are you know it's kind of a toss up between those two can we look beyond them is there anyone else that could threaten? For me, honestly, I think I think you have to. I think like looking at the USA, like they've lost quite a few games recently. I think they lost to England, France, and Germany. Now, obviously, they're very good teams. I'm not saying that's a bad team, but like yeah. I wasn't impressed with the USA against Ireland, and that's not taken away from the way Ireland played. But they weren't the force that I remember playing against. You know that way, and I think obviously that's credit to the way Ireland played against them but there was I was looking kind of going don't really think they're going to be as good as what I've seen in the past you know that way yeah. and look they obviously have the experience in winning tournaments before so they might be able to turn it around but and England like although they've got some very good kind of backup players there's a lot of players injured you know the likes of Beth Mead is out um, obviously Leah Williamson out with an ACL injury would have been their captain in the Euros so, so they're missing a lot of players um, I think Germany were very unfortunate in the Euros against England so I think they're probably the team that I think will be decent and I think every time 
there's a tournament on the women's game, I'll say France, because I just think that they're so exciting to watch. You'll see them on Thursday, like they have so many good players. And obviously they kind of had a huge um they, they fallout with the manager and uh, Haver Renard, who was with the Saudi Arabia team who beat Argentina in the World Cup. Yeah, he's their manager now so he'll be looking in to come and he won't want to be coming in to not win you know that way so I think they're going to be uh, a team to watch but yeah I think everywhere I've looked it's USA and England that has to be them and look you can't write them off but at the same time I think there's other teams around who will definitely be looking to push so you're you're predicting France we can we can put that down in writing I know I don't know say France or Germany you know, I haven't decided <laughs> I think Spain are good as well but obviously I think I don't know there's loads of stuff going on Spain had a big fallout with their manager as well a few players have said they're not going to the World Cup um, because there was a fallout with the manager and the association side with the manager so be interesting to see how, how they do because they're obviously a very good squad but we're missing a few of their players um, so like I think I think Germany for me then France then Spain so can I just kind of end that many times? Yes, you can. I, mean, you have, <laughs> so, I, mean. I hope it works out for me now. <laughs> <laughs> Deadly. Well, Steph, look, thanks so much for your time, as always. Um, Hatrick Hero of the show. And uh, in, uh, enjoy Australia. And ha- I hope the second part of the season with Rovers is better than your first half injury was. Yeah. And uh, best of luck with everything. Thanks very much, lads. Thanks for having Absolutely. me on. Thank, thank you, Steph. Really Thanks so much, it. Steph. See you soon. No worries, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. Great chat with Stephanie Rhodes Zambra. Always grateful for her time. And I'm looking forward to hearing uh, her commentary and her coverage and keeping track of what's going on in Australia because, um, yeah, look, I mean, when's the next time we're going to get to a tournament? We don't know. So we got to embrace these things and enjoy them. You know, Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to the World Cup. Um, I'm really looking forward to the time of the matches, 11-1 and 11, which is great. Um, because it's during working hours and, you know, we enjoyed the men's World Cup during working hours and I'm going to enjoy the women's World Cup during working hours. Um, and I just hope we do well. I think as Steph was alluding to, this, she didn't envy Vera Powell's task of um, picking a squad with those players because of the strength and depth so hopefully that is to our benefit when we get there very true very true look I think either way it's it's one of them where you know you're damned if you do damned if you don't I think any manager and we didn't get into the whole Vera Pau thing and we won't get into the Vera Pau thing because to be honest with you I don't know anywhere near enough about the subject to even try broach it right but what I'd say about any manager in a, in a, in a tournament selection for, for their squad process, you're either a hero or a zero. Because if you if you get knocked out, you didn't get it right. But if you get through, you did get it. Like, do you know what I mean? There's no there's no middle ground. It's either all or nothing in terms of how that will work. So I agree with you. Yeah, and just just for a second on the Vera Pau thing, obviously we're not gonna we we're we're not we haven't. We're not educated enough to, to go into fine detail regarding it. Um, but it is worth reading um the fantastic journalism from the Athletic. Uh, their article yeah. is 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 fairly good um and a good intensive look on the background of the whole saga, or so so to speak. And it remains to be seen if Vera Pell will be in charge after the World Cup uh, success or not. Um it'll be interesting. But you you were saying there in regards it's an unve- an enviable task. Like I was doing a lot of coaching the Bulls last season, and I only yeah. had to start five players, potentially out of seven. Yeah, and it's hard. Like you're looking, you're looking at a player, and you're kind of going, I'll, "I'll." You almost feel justified to say, "Look, I'll, I'll, I'll try and get you on at at some stage." And yeah. like, hey, don't worry, don't worry. But like, you know, you're not, you're not starting. I'm not starting myself sometimes because of it. You know that way, Graham. The the, my day is coaching the Benfica team in the 2003 <laughs> Ballybrack Mini World Cup were some of the most stressful days of my life. <laughs> Love it. Because, you know, you you young lads there who are who are absolutely terrible at football, God bless them. Absolutely horrific. In fact, I don't think they knew they were playing football they were that bad, but their parents had enrolled them for something to do during the summer. <laughs> and you feel obliged to give them game time. Yeah. But equally, I'm, I'm a winner, Graham, and I want to win things. And Benfica Mini World Cup team were going places until I brought on these lads who, you know. And don't, I don't name them, Danny. Don't name them. I, I won't name Graham. I won't rock their confidence all these years later. It wouldn't be fair to them, uh, you know. But I think 
what I learned from that lesson was when you are an elite coach, when you are at the highest point of your coaching career is when you can't afford to be human. You have to be ruthless and you have to go for the jugular and go for the win. And there's no, there's no niceties. You can't have friends. You pick your best players. You go out there to win, even if it is a six-a-side mini World Cup tournament. Grand. Even if it's a friendly. No such thing as friendlies. No, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't envy anybody. Uh, and I, I, I get what you're saying with the Bulls as well. Uh, when is the Bulls season back? Is there a date yet for the fixtures? No, probably October, I'd say. So a few months away, yeah. Grand, grand. We, we, we can, we can hold off the AGM then for another couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Graham, if people want to, uh, well, if, first and foremost, if you want to follow Stephanie Zambra and her adventures in Australia, uh, along with the Order Pro Cup Boom team, then you can do so on Twitter. She, she, Stephanie wrote nine on Twitter, but if you pop Stephanie Zambra in, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's the only one. So you'll you'll find her fairly easily. But if people want to listen to previous episodes of this audio installation program, Graham, where and how can they do so? They can go to WTSpod.com or they can pick any podcast provider and simply search WTSpod. Podbean, Podcast Republic, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere, everywhere you get a podcast, just type in, search, just search WTSpod. Um, he's at Dan Joe Murray on Instagram. I'm at Merrigan Mania on Instagram and that other cesspit of a site at the moment. Um, but until next time, clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose! Come on, Ireland! <laughs>